Good morning, church. Morning. How's everybody doing today? I hope you had your uh, your morning coffee. I don't drink coffee, but you know, I hope you had whatever wakes you up, because today we're actually going to do work. Okay, we're going to work in church. Okay, you guys ready? All right. So by that, I mean you're not going to you can't sit back and just listen. That would be okay, but it'd be better if you had your Bibles out. That would be better because we're going to be in the Bible a lot. Um, and I'm actually pro-Bible app. So if you have that on your phone, that's great too. Just take it out um, and be ready because we're going to uh, look at a lot of Scripture today. And it's a lot better if you follow along in the Bible. I'll be using the ESV. That's a translation that I'll be, talk- that I'll be speaking from. Uh, but of course, if you prefer something different, that may be okay as well. So we are in Acts Six, and I'm going to start by reading the whole chapter, okay? We're going to read the whole chapter of, a Bible, of the Bible in Acts 6 in church. Look at that. Um, here we go. So please open up to Acts 6. Follow along. I'm loving that the Bibles are cracking open. That's great. Um, so here we go. Acts 6. And it goes like this. Verse 1. In these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they said before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Sicilian Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. Verse 10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. We have heard him say, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Let's pray before we dive in. Father, we come before you and we ask for your blessing on this morning. Lord, we ask for our understanding of your word. Uh, Be with us as we dive in. Help us, Lord, to take away the things that you would have us take away and help our hearts to be changed as a result, Lord. Help me to speak your words and for them to be received in the way you intend them to be, Lord. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. So I wonder, I wonder if you ever felt like this. Okay, so you read a whole Bible passage like I just did. And at least when I first read this, I was like, wow, like that's a lot there. Kind of overwhelming, or maybe there's not a whole lot there. Maybe it's just really simple, right? They appointed some deacons, and, you know, and, and Stephen, you know, there's something about Stephen in there, right? So, so you, look, you may just sort of read it one time, like I did, and think, I don't know, and just sort of move on. Well, the nice thing about having a sermon to preach on Sunday is that you don't get the sort of uh, the past, if you will, of just sort of moving on in your Bible, right? Like I had to sit down and study it. And after even just a few days, I had like pages and pages of application of things that's actually going on underneath. And so I hope that this morning, maybe that, that reading that passage, maybe it was a little bit overwhelming to you, but I hope that what you're going to see is the idea that the Word of God, like it's a living Word, I hope that by the end, like in the next 40 minutes or so, you're going to see, wow, like that's living. There's so much applicable in there for me. Um, and of course, like for me, the, the Bible passage that came to mind as I was studying is in Hebrews 4.12, which says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. So that's what I hope we're doing here. That's what I hope you're going to see. You're going to see the Word of God that is living and active. Okay? That's, that's what I'm hoping is going to happen. So I'm excited. There's going to be a lot of Bible. Uh, here we go. So to, we're going to start diving in. And so we're going to look at two parts. Uh, so, and, and most Bibles have these sort of separated in, in Act 6. Uh, the first one is around... Picking priorities, the apostles picking priorities and choosing servants uh, or deacons in, in some cases, uh, as they're called in some cases. Um, and then the second part is about trials and the beginning of trials. So with that, we're going to start with verses 1 through 7. So if you, if you look at those, um, if you look at those again, just, just for me to, to summarize, as, as you're looking through 1 through 7, what's happening is the disciples were increasing in number, right? So the church was growing. That's what was going on. There were some complaints that happened. Uh, you'll see that the apostles then had various choices, like what could we do? So they, they appointed these servants um, who then served and did some things in the apostles' place, and then the church kept growing. So that's sort of the sort of very high-level summary of verses 1 through 7. Now, going even a little bit deeper, so if you look at verse 1, it has, you know, it has these... Uh, Hellenists in there, Hellenists, Greek-speaking Jews. Who are these folks? These are people that were actually believers. So this is, uh, this is something that was internal to the church. It wasn't sort of somebody outside of the church. It was inside of the church. The church was growing, and people started complaining. Wow, there were complaints in the church? That's weird. No, it's not weird. Like, of course, like it happens all the time, right? Like, there are people, and so where there are people, there's going to be some sort of conflict, right? Like, there's sin in the world, um, and, and that's what happens. Uh, so that's just sort of, that's to be expected. But it is the first time in Acts that we're seeing this. We're seeing some internal struggles, right? So if you recall Acts up to now, there hasn't been a lot of infighting, if you will. And so now the devil is attacking 
from the inside. It's like, all right, like I, you know, the devil tries various things, and now, now there's an attack from the inside. Uh, but, uh, but that's actually, that, that, that's okay. It's bound to happen, and it is this result of multiplying, of growing, and of scaling. And so the apostles, in, uh, in verse 3, they pick out seven men of good repute. So they, they find a solution to the problem. And, and this solution got me to think, there it is, yeah. It, the solution got me to think to another place in the Bible where this happened. So uh, go over to Exodus 18 for me. And, uh, and we're going to see a parallel there of Moses and how he handled growth and sort of, and what happened, what happened there. And I think we're going to see some really nice similarities. So in Exodus 18, another, another long path. I'll skip around through, through this one a little bit. But if you go to, uh, to Exodus 18, and starting in verse 13, you're going to see something similar to what's happening in Acts. Okay? So in, in verse 18, in, in verse 13, I'm sorry, it says, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. Okay, so Moses is the man in charge. The nation of Israel comes to him from morning till evening to ask him who knows what. A whole lot of questions about, about God and about what God would have for them. And now there's a wise man that's there, Moses' father-in-law. Um, and he saw all that he was doing for all the people. And he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, Moses, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, the people are coming to me. They're asking me questions. What should I do? And when they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not Good. Who your father-in-law is telling you what's up? Like even Moses is getting it, <laughs> which is great. So, so he's saying, Moses' father-in-law said to him, "What you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws." And make them know the way in which they must walk and must, what they must do. So, in this first part, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, is saying, Hey, you, are, you instead of doing everything, you're going to start focusing. You're going to start focusing on teaching others to do what you do. Sound familiar? We just read about that in Acts. right? Like The apostles are going to focus on preaching the word and praying. Right? And others are going to do some other things. So that's what's happening in Exodus as well. So back, back in Exodus uh, 18, verse 21 now, uh, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law is saying, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge all the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure 
and all these people also go to their place in peace. So, sound familiar, right? Like, really similar, right, in terms of how things are being handled. Um, and Moses listens to, to his father-in-law's voice, and, uh, and, and it's great. And, and, and he's able to sort of grow and scale, and, and the nation of Israel is able to sort of continue. In the same way, in the same way in Acts, like, that is, uh, that's what's happening. We're seeing the apostles see a problem. They're, people are coming to them with a problem, and they help to solve it. Now, they're really humble about it. They're, uh, they figure out that they can't do everything, right? And they go and they delegate. So they, they say, all right, it is time for us to focus, right? So when somebody comes to you and says, you're wrong, like, this isn't good, is your first instinct to say, Wow, thanks so much for the advice. I really appreciate that. The apostles, well, they reacted in a really humble uh, and really good way. And as a result, we're reaping the benefits of that even today. Um, so thank God that the apostles are, were able to see the wisdom in, in what was happening. And they're able to, um, they're able to focus. They're able to, to choose uh, the, right, the right way to spend their time. So, short, short detour. I want to explain this slide. You're going to see this come up sort of throughout the sermon, and it comes back to that idea of this is the living word. Um, I'm going to do like a, a tally of applications that we could take from that passage that we read right in the beginning. I'm going to guess that when we first read the passage, very few of these things came to mind. Maybe some did. And we're just going to, we're going to keep a tally of them. So the first one is this idea of Focus, right? How do you spend your time? How do you choose to spend it? Something can be good, but if you do too much of it, maybe it's not so good. Um, for example, like how much TV do you watch? Okay, like some of it is, is good, like you need to relax. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting some, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not calling you out, Sadie. <laughs> uh, but, but that's like, so, so that's something that came out. Like how do you spend your time? Right, how much TV do you watch? Or uh, Instagram, like Instagram has these um, reels. They're like these short videos. You can sort of click in the bottom of the app there, and you can scroll through. And then you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. And for like five minutes, and then 50 minutes go by, and an hour and 50 minutes go by. And you're like, oh, my goodness, like I just wasted a whole lot of time. Uh, that's not very focused, right? Like that's not uh, necessarily like a, a, the most productive way, the best way to spend your life. Um, in my life, I, uh, I have room for improvement, okay? So I stand before and say, like, I have room for improvement. I, uh, I generally do focus on four things, um, which, is, which would be uh, my family, that would be one, church, God, uh, serving, that would be another bucket, my work is another bucket, and running, right? So those are my four, right? Like, I don't, I don't know, play games or other things. Like, I, I generally focus on those four. But even in those four, there's a lot of room for, uh, for improvement and for focus. There's just, you know, there's always ways to do better and to be more godly and to keep growing. So, anyway, think about it for yourself, right? Where should you focus? The apostles gave us this example. So, what did the apostles choose to focus on? They choose preaching the word and prayer. In verse 4, they say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer 
and to the ministry of the word, they picked, the apostles picked the most important thing when it came to Christianity and to growing the church. They could have picked serving one another, right? Like that is something that they gave up. They gave up serving tables. They gave up giving out money. They could have picked fellowship. They could have picked community. They could have picked a whole lot of things, all of which are good. But they picked preaching the word and prayer. This is the, the highest calling when it comes to the Christian church. When it comes to our church, this is what you should expect when you come here. You should expect preaching the word and praying. We have to make sure that those two things are taken care of. Other things are important to you, and those need to get taken care of as well. But it has to start with preaching the word and with prayer. With, now, you, know, you, you might not have to, like, don't think like, oh man, like, I'm not standing up front and I'm not preaching the word from the front. Therefore, I'm not doing what I'm called to do. I think everybody, um, regardless of, of age and, and, and life stage, everyone is called to read the word, to study it to pray, uh, and, and so this applies to everyone, whether you're standing up front or not. And so back to our, to our tally of things that we, to take away from, from this passage, man, study God's word, right? The apostles tell us, like, this is so important. Don't get rid of this. Like, this is so important. Study God's word and pray. That's where, that's where things start. I'm going to say something that's maybe a little... Controversial? Hopefully not. Um, For your own life, make sure you start with the word and with prayer. I think you can have Christianity. You can be a Christian. You can have it without fellowship, without community groups, without a whole lot of things. But you can't have it without the word of God and prayer. Oh, a little controversial. Feel free to prove me wrong from the Bible. Um, don't hear me say, like, all those things are really important, okay? Like, you should, like, go do those and so on. But if you have to focus, if you have to prioritize on any given day or any given week, focus on those. Okay. Now, when it comes to preaching the Word of God, this, this picture will make sense in, like, a minute. <laughs> When it comes to preaching the word of God, all right, it's a full-time job, right? So at our church, Dave is sort of the primary pastor that, 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 um, that preaches, and Dave needs to focus there, right? So you might come in, and you might think, there's a lot of work to do around here. Like, Dave, like, the coffee's not ready. You know, children's ministry needs some workers. Um, someone needs some counseling. Someone to provide meals for this, you know, for this family, Hopefully the picture now makes sense, right? Maybe that someone is you, right? Like it's the person in the mirror. Like we need help from everyone to do the things that need to be done in the church. And that's what, that's what was happening in Acts as well, right? Like the, the apostles focused on preaching the word of God and on, and on prayer. But others focused on serving tables and taking care of other things, right? So the body of Christ was working together. And it was pleasing to people. It was pleasing to those around them. Like in verse 5, you see like, and what they said, it pleased the whole gathering. Like everybody was happy with it. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Of course I want to hear from 
Peter and John, and like, I want to hear those guys preach, right? Um, so that's what they did, and it was really pleasing to them. And so they appointed these deacons, and our next application would be serve one another, right? Like this is, it's needed in the church. It's needed for the body of Christ to grow. Help is needed from everyone. And so continuing on in verse 5, uh, they, they chose, they appointed some uh, servants, they're, you know, deacons, and, uh, and let's see, let's see a little bit about these, uh, these men that were appointed. So uh, it's, hopefully you can see that. Yeah, there are seven of them. I won't go through their names again, but I was thinking when I was reading, I was like, I wonder what high school photos of these guys would look like. I think, I think that would be pretty fun. Like, you know how you have like your high school, like your yearbook, and then you get like these sort of summary under them about their lives. So I thought, you know what, like, it'll be kind of fun. Like, let's, let's do that. So I picked two of them. Uh, the first one, that's, uh, where is, that's, that's, uh, that's uh, Philip for us. <laughs> and uh, and I, I imagine in Philip's sort of yearbook, uh, this guy enjoys running, and, uh, and he's known to disappear unexpectedly. So if you know what happens later in Acts, Philip runs alongside a chariot, and after the eunuch is baptized, he sort of just disappears. So uh, that's a, a quick summary for, uh, for Philip for us. And, uh, and Stephen, uh, there's Stephen, really happy in, in high school. And, uh, and for him, I think he would be like the spontaneous debate championship winner, okay? Like nobody can out-debate this guy. And sort of good for him, he was voted most likely to stand by strong convictions. Um, and we're actually going to see that later in Acts 2, where he has the honor of being the first martyr of the Christian church. But, of course, nobody knew that in high school, and, uh, and, and that's, that's what they put there. There's a little tiny text there, like, I changed pictures to protect their identities, so that's probably not what they look like. Uh, so I took, I took a little bit of liberty on, on that one. So anyway, so that's Stephen and Philip, and we're going to run into them more and more in Acts. So what's the, what's the result, right? Like the apostles did a bunch of changes. They did some changes. What happens? Well, the result is growth. So if you look at verse 7, it says, The word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So because the apostles gave away some of their responsibility, the church was able to grow. And that might sound like super obvious and really, like, really easy. Of course they should have done that. But like, have you ever given away money? It actually feels really good. Like if you give somebody money, they're, like, they're super thankful. They're like, oh my, like, wow, thank you. You're, like, you're so great. Whether it's you know, someone you know, um, you know, with a sign as you drive by a stoplight or wherever. It's actually a really great feeling. That's what they were doing. Like, they were doing some of that. Have you ever, at your high school, and I know this is true, stood for God and being ridiculed for it? That's a lot harder than giving away money, I tell you that much. Right? And so the apostles didn't pick the easier thing. They picked the right thing. They picked the better thing. And, and, so, and so, and you know that that was the right thing because the church continued to grow. In our case, NBC is actually growing also. Uh, it's pretty cool. We're going through Acts. The church is growing. NBC, our church, is growing to 
pretty soon, in about two weeks uh, or three weeks, we're going to go to three services. We're going to have more services. That's going to require us to step up, to serve, to be a part of things, to do maybe some things that make us a little bit uncomfortable. But there's growth here as well, which is really awesome. All right, so that, that's the, the first part of Acts 6, verses 1 through, 1 through 7. I want to transition to the second part of our passage, to, uh, to the part where we start talking about some trials. And, uh, and before, I, <laughs> before, I, before I jump in, uh, I get asked this question a lot. So I have five children, okay? And people will ask me, like, Korea, especially at work, man, five kids, that's, like, that's a lot to handle, right? Like, how do you do it? Um, and, or nine kids, I mean, some of us have a little more. Okay, in most competitions, I win that. Like, at NBC, I don't. But uh, anyway, five or more, right? Uh, it's a lot of kids. And, and I, I think of this graph, right? It's like, look, when we had the first child... Oh, and actually, my bad. Like, I should put some pictures because, you know, they're just much cuter. Uh, so, you know, we had our first, our first child, right? And, and that's hard, right? Many have experienced that. And then, and then you sort of, you learn, you grow. And then you have your second. It's like, oh, this is, like, significantly harder. Your third, your fourth. By the time it gets to number five, it starts to taper off, okay? You just have, like, a factory going. Like, sort of just keep on, keep on coming. However, like... If we were to have, like, five kids dropped in our lap all at once, that would be very difficult, right? Not that it wasn't difficult like this, but it would be just really difficult. And so the way God worked in our family and in most families, twins and so on, like, those are a thing. But, like, the way it works is it just happens sort of one at a time, right? Like, God prepares you. God grows your ability to handle the joys and trials in your life. Now, in our case, you need some times like this. I'll just give you a second. So you need some times like this, right, where they're just crying and you're holding them. Like, you need some of those times, okay, in order to have times like this where we're sort of Instagram ready and just, you know, uh, know, having a great time, right? So God uses all of that to grow us and to grow our ability as, as as we grow in life. So how about, like, your own life. If you think about, I mean, something really basic, like, you know, I was a baby, and I could crawl, and then I could walk, and then I could run, or like, that's really basic. But like, there's certain, certain things that you could do that you can do now that before just seemed like impossible, right? And that's just sort of God growing you, God growing you in your life. And so for the church, that's what's happening up to Act 7 as well. This is, this is what we're seeing is that God, through various things that have been going on up to Acts 7, are the church capacity to grow and to handle more sort of builds up. Muscle continues to grow. It continues to build. And so all the way from, you know, there was the Holy Spirit and healing, and there were beats, and there were signs and wonders, and so on. Like, there's just there's sort of so much in terms of how the church was growing. And they, these things didn't happen all at once. God didn't... Uh, on sort of on the first day that the Holy Spirit came, God didn't say, okay, a bunch of you are going to die for your faith, who by the way, like you're still trying to figure out your faith, but like a bunch of you are going to die, a bunch of you are going to go to jail, there's going to be internal fighting. Like all of that didn't happen on day one. 
right? Like God grew the church such that, you know, 10, 20, 30, hundreds of years later, all those things are happening and the church is thriving. So that's, that's just a picture of how God works in our trouble, not in spite of our trouble. That's how God grows us. That's how God grew the church. I'm reminded of James 1, which says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God grows us in our trials, and that's what we're going to see here. So we're going to looking focusing on verses 8 through 15. I'll just, just to summarize it for you, uh, Stephen, one of the deacons that, that, that we just read about, one of the servants that we just read about, he was doing great wonders and signs, and there were debates going on, there were false accusations going on, and, uh, and so and they got into debates, and Stephen was just full of too much wisdom to be overpowered by those arguments. And his face, like, and, and you see in verse 15, his face was like the face of an angel, right? Like when he had this, his face um, had this shine, this glow to it, which, is, which must have been pretty incredible to see. So how could, how could Peter, how could Stephen, I'm sorry, be so wise that they couldn't withstand him? Like how does somebody become so wise? How does that even happen? There are, a few verses, and this is where our Bible gymnastics really starts, okay? Like if you thought we did Bible gymnastics up to now, even more right now. So, um, so there are a few verses that I think will help explain this scripture. So we're going to explain scripture with scripture. How can Stephen be so wise? Well, in Luke 21, 15, Jesus says that this is going to be opportunity to bear witness. Settle therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer for I will give you a mouth of wisdom and, win, and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. So Stephen, I don't think he was like particularly worried. I think he was just in the word. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And then God, just like he promised in Luke 21, he was given a mouth and wisdom, and the, his adversaries were not able to withstand it. I also don't think there was any... Um, Like, I don't think there was any uh, conflict inside of Stephen that people were coming to him and reviling him because he knew that what he was doing was on behalf of God. He knew that it was the right thing. In Matthew 5, verses 11 to 12, it says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, so Peter, I think, I mean, I'm sorry, Stephen knew that, like, he was rejoicing. I think he was glad because he knew that there, there was evil against him, and he knew that he was speaking on behalf of God. There's another verse which I won't read, but I, I hope that you do, similar, sort of similar theme. Um, and so... So Stephen was, was given words from God. He was able to represent God. And, um, and I think he was really comfortable with that and felt really good about it. Now, 
as we start to think about applying this to our own lives, I just want to exercise a little bit of caution, okay? Because um, you might think, oh, yeah, I debated this or that person, and it was great. Like, I felt good about it. Um, but I just want to make sure that you are and that we are debating the things that God would want us to really debate and, uh, and, and dive into. So, for example, I've seen a lot of debates, right, that look something like this or, or something else. I just exercise care. Right, like much of this, I don't know that Stephen would have gone after uh, you know any of these arguments, right? And we've seen that so, especially in the last few years, we've seen this so much on different sort of uh, you know on the different political aisles, right? Like if you're you know if you're a Democrat, you you must not love Jesus, or if you're a Republican, you must not love you know humans or whatever. And uh, I can't believe you got the vaccine, or I can't believe you didn't get the vaccine. You're putting everybody in danger. You're Okay, like it just sort of can go on and on, right? Like, and so that, I would say, is not the kind of debate that is generally encouraged by the Bible or by, um, or in this case, by Stephen. So, application, <laughs> choose your debates wisely, okay? I'm not saying you shouldn't engage in those conversations uh, in the previous slide, but just, you know, if you're going to die for something, Please, please, please make sure that it is, um, that it is what, what God would want you to, uh, to really stand up for. And so Stephen was having the right debate. We know that, okay? But how do we, how do we know that? So we know that he was, from, from earlier in Acts, we know that he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit, right? So he had, uh, like, we knew that that was going on. So when you engage in a debate... If you're full of faith and the Holy Spirit, if you're in your Bible and, and prayer and, 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 and just deeply engaged with God, man, debate away, right? Like the Holy Spirit is in you. That's awesome. Um, he also had this, and I don't think anybody here is going to have this, but uh, he, like, he did have the supernatural appearance. Now, this was going on really early on in the church, right? So some of those signs no longer happen. But, um, but he had this supernatural appearance. Like God is saying, like, this is the right kind of argument, the right kind of debate that I want you to have. And, uh, and this brings to mind another passage, which is uh, over in Exodus, a lot of Moses today, over in Exodus verse 34. Um, and it's really good. I, I do want us to read it just because it's, uh, again, it just gives this, this really nice parallel, which is, um, this is Moses and he, he went up to Mount Sinai. So in verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the testimony in his hand, so he, he was bringing the Ten Commandments down, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking to God. Aaron, all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. The people of Israel, they looked at Moses and his face shone, and they were afraid. They were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron, all the leaders of the congregation, returned to him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all the Lord had spoken. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. So the, 
the glory of God that was radiating from Moses' face, he would speak to them and then he would cover his face. He would cover God's glory, if you will, that was, that was, shining, that was shining in him. Now, both Stephen and Moses, right, we have these two examples of somebody's face shining, right? God's glory had an impact on sinful men. God's glory has an impact on people around you. In the, Israel, in the Israelites' case, Moses covered his face. In the Stephen case, they killed him. They couldn't take it. So they killed him. A question that comes to mind for me when I think about that is, man, like, if I'm sitting in that room, right, why would people not change? Right? Like, you're, you're, you're getting this wisdom. You're getting this truth come towards you, come to you. And, why, like, why wouldn't they change? It's so obvious that it's God's message. I'll leave Luke 16 for you to read on, uh, sort of at home. But what is, what is happening, the need, like what is happening there is said really well in Ezekiel where, where God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. So what's happening is the people listening, they weren't able to receive the message. They had hearts of stone, as in not open to the word of God. And so what is needed is for God to replace those hearts with a heart of flesh, with a heart that is tender and able to listen. Ephesians says, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Truth and reason, right, those aren't enough to change people, right? So when you're having your debates, when you're having these conversations, if you're doing them apart from prayer, apart from the love of God, you're speaking to to hard hearts, it's not going to work. It's not just throwing truth at somebody. It's throwing, it's truth in love. It's both of those, which again, which is why the apostles focus not just on preaching of the word, but on preaching of the word and prayer. So our last uh, application here is, uh, as we do our tally, is a heart change is needed. Right? Like that's what's happening. Apart from a heart change, it's not going to work. And of course, we're not the ones that change hearts, right? You're not the one that's going in through your amazingly crafted argument and changing somebody's heart. Not you. That's Jesus. And for that, man, you need prayer. You need God to be with you as you speak. So, big tally list. We're going to try to do what uh, the apostles did, which is they focused Right, so how would I focus in all those things that we've been talking about? Well, first of all, study the Bible and pray. Okay? That might be simple, but I want you to think about it and to do it 
in depth, right? So we saw today, I read Acts, sort of from verse 1 through 15. And that was like, that was reading the Bible, right? Like that was reading. I don't know how much of that stuck. Hopefully, when we spend 40 minutes on it, a lot more of it starts to take shape. Like, wow, there's a lot there. Um, and maybe, like, and there's actually a lot more there that we didn't get into. So study the Bible, not just read it, and pray, right? And you don't want to do it the way the religious leaders did it in the day, right? Because, by the way, Stephen was arguing with teachers of the law. Like, he wasn't arguing with people that didn't know, right? But he was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with, uh, with Jesus in, in his conversation. And, and with that, just be ready, right? Like, what is God preparing you for, right? Like, he's growing you, just like, the, just like the early church. Our lives are growing. Our church is growing. What is God preparing you for? Be ready. The way to do that is by studying the Bible and praying. That's where things start. That's one. Another would be uh, fight the good fight, whatever that might be in your life, and pray for hearts to be changed. At the end of the day, the goal is for hearts to be changed. Uh, it's not to get uh, sort of an extra vote. Uh, now, okay, now you might say, Gria, that's too much action, man. Like, too much. Like, it's not focused enough. Okay. I hear you. I, receive, I humbly receive your feedback. Thank you for telling me. Uh, and so what's the most important thing out of the whole message today? That's it. That's it. If you take nothing else away, take this away. Study the Bible and pray. Cursory reading is fine, but you have to really get into the Word. I'm going to end with this quote that I think is quite incredible. It, it comes from, uh, from a book called The Path to Being a Pastor uh, by Bobby Jameson. And, and it, it goes like this, which is, how do we know? It, it's, sort of, it's, it's along the theme of, like, how should you be reading the Bible? I should be reading the Bible. So, so listen to this. The real test of whether you're mastering Scripture is whether it is mastering you. The point of studying Scripture is to submit to Scripture. Right? So you're studying the Scripture, but the point is to submit to it. The point of reading Scripture is to be read by Scripture. The point of meditating on Scripture is to be remade by Scripture. So you're reading it, and it's remaking you as you're reading it. So turn reading into praying. Turn study into self-examination. Whenever you study this scripture, keep your eyes peeled for reasons to praise God and humble yourself. Use scripture as a searchlight to expose sins in your heart that you have not yet reckoned with. Interact, like interact with the scripture. It's great to, again, again, it's, it's profitable to just read it straight through. But it is so much better to pause and to be read by scripture, to submit to scripture, to self-examine based on scripture. That's how lives are changed. And one of the, the most important places to start was with your own life and my own life. So I hope that you'll take that away from today. Study the Bible and pray. The apostles did it. The apostles showed us how to do it. The church grew as a result. And we're here because of that, because of their focus, 
and because of the focus on the Bible and on praying. Let's pray. Seems like a good way to end. Father, we, we come before you, and we are so grateful, uh, Father, that you have given us your word. Um, Lord, we're, we're so grateful that your word is living and active, and that it can convict us, it can change us. Um, and so, Lord, with you next to us, Lord, and in us, I pray that we would be reading scripture, and we would be changed as a result. Father, I thank you for the example that the apostles set forward. I, th- I thank you that they were able to focus on preaching the word and prayer. And I thank you for the servanthood of the, of the servants that they appointed for Stephen and Philip and the rest and the examples that they set. I thank you for Stephen that we see his example, Lord God, and not backing away from a holy fight um, and paying with his life for it. And setting the example for so many after him, Lord, all in those years and even that's happening today where people are dying and Christians are dying for your word and for you because that would ultimately grow the church and that would actually, that would bring more people to you, Lord, which is the, the desire of our hearts. And so we just, we thank you for good, for righteous convictions uh, and pray that you would convict us, Lord, based on your word and our study of it and our prayer and depth and diving into it, Lord. We thank you so much for this morning and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.